Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. I am so pleased to say that this week on our show, we are joined by Alice Mullins. Ms. Mullins is a licensed clinical social worker for cognitive neurology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Clinical social workers in general, and Ms. Mullins in particular, provide a broad range of services, especially for those affected by Alzheimer's and dementia, and particularly for their caregivers. Reflecting on the times I turned to social workers for help, during my caregiving journey with my parents, I will have a heart-to-heart, one-on-one discussion with Alice Mullins today. Ms. Mullins, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Tell our listeners a little about what a clinical social worker does as it relates to those with dementia and Alzheimer's and their caregivers. Okay. So what clinical social workers do in like a clinic like mine, cognitive neurology, we are focused on helping not only the patient, but also the family caregivers along with the patient because we are focused on counseling. It could be counseling with regard to a diagnosis that's been given of dementia, or it could be counseling in terms of how people are coping later on in the disease process. But also what we provide are services with the family members on how to navigate helping to care for someone who has dementia. And so that could be concrete services. It could be just in terms of emotional support, but just uh, providing resources and being a resource for everyone. You mentioned that emotional support. Uh, That was key for me. I felt so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. when I was confronted with the situation I was in with both of my parents. Do you find that a lot? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Sometimes it comes as a surprise to some people. Um, Sometimes it something the they've seen this progression with the person who has the dementia all along and um, but it's still kind of overwhelming when you start thinking about what does this mean now because now we have to do something about it and so yes a lot of people I find get overwhelmed so I took advantage of the support group that mm-hmm. um, you all had here tell our listeners what a typical support group is like So it depends. Um, So there are some support groups that are dealing with just uh, information. So it could be more of a psychoeducational support group where we are educating uh, patients, educating uh, their care partners on 
the disease, also um, things that go along with coping with the disease. Uh, could be giving education about possibly depression that may come along with it. Could be giving information, legal and financial, uh, things that go along with a diagnosis such as this. But then there's also a support group which is basically um, more in terms of emotional support where it is, uh, it could be the patients themselves, uh, the people living with dementia talking amongst themselves on what they're having to deal with, what they're living with, also how they're feeling in relation to the people they're living with or who are caring for them. But then we also, um, here and in other support groups like at the Alzheimer's Association have caregiver groups, care partner groups, where they're able to talk about the things that are going on and the feelings that come along with, with caring for someone who has dementia. What are some of the most common things that you hear from caregivers when they come to you and they're in that situation with their loved one? Oh, common things. Let's see. I would say, first off, the feeling of being overwhelmed and not knowing what steps do we take. How do I help this person who may or may not recognize one that they have a dementia or may or may not want help from me? And so how do I deal with that? Then also, uh, some of the common themes is, how do I navigate um, caring for someone and then also with the life that I already have established? How do I figure that out? Um, also, financially and legally, what is it that I'm allowed to do and what is it that I'm not allowed to do? So those are some of the main themes that come about. Well, you mentioned something. Um, I was in a perfect storm. I had both situations. I had one parent, my mm -hmm. father, who would listen to what I had to say. The other parent, my mother, did not want to listen to what <laughs> yes. I had to say. Yes. So what do you do, first off, in the situation where they don't want to listen to what you have to say? Mm, so not listening. So that's, that's one of those times when you have to pull out a, a couple of skills uh, of, one, it's listening to the person still of where they are, because they're still a person. Um, they're not the illness themselves, and, and it's being able to understand that they still have feelings, they still have thoughts, they still have things that are guiding them. And sometimes it's touching upon that in a different way. So, and it's not, and understanding what their reality is, because their reality is not your reality sometimes. That but is so you, true, isn't yes, it? Yes, and you can't argue with them about their reality. You are preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's learning, how do I help this person in a way where I can help them to join in? And it is a matter of, sometimes it's tending to that need really that they have inside. It is, it may be tending to that feeling. It is also, sometimes it's about, okay, we know that this person wants to be in charge. How do we help them to be in charge, but yet guiding them in the way of where we need to go? That's a very delicate balance, isn't it? It is, very much so, and it's hard. And people mess up all the time, but you just, 
and it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to, one day it may work, and one day it may not, and I think that's the nature of the disease that's hard, that people don't understand, is that it may not be this way today, and so tomorrow I'll try it again. Um, in the support group that I was in here, um, I learned about resources mm -hmm. that were, were available to me as a caregiver mm -hmm. uh, that many caregivers may not realize that are out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know we have listeners all over the world, but we're in the United mm -hmm. States, we're mm -hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> um, you don't have to be specific about Atlanta, but just mm -hmm. in general, what are some of the resources that are available for, to, for caregivers? So I think it depends on, I think when I think about resources, it's kind of two things. It's resources in terms of what are some physical, practical resources that help you care for someone. And then there are resources in terms of support for yourself. So I think for me, those are two different types of things. So with resources practically on, sometimes it's about um, accessing aging, the uh, Area Agency on Aging. Now that's across the United States because that's through usually the Older Americans Act. And so with different counties, um, they've put money in for senior services. So in that, that may be a resource that someone can use because there may be ways where you can get home delivered meals, where you can get um, people to come and um, provide in-home care, things of that nature. Do you find this information online? Yes, yes, you can find that. Usually you can go through your county senior services and you can find it that way or through the uh, AAAs, the Atlanta, the, I think for here it's the Atlanta area. No, it's Area Aging on Agency, I'm sorry. When it comes to those AAAs, Area Agency on Aging, you can find that throughout if you Google that, and you should be able to find it in. In most um, cities across the country. Yes, mm -hmm. wow. because it's, it's usually by county where the money is given. Mm -hmm. Then there's also um, through, depending on what state you're in, like for Atlanta, you can have through a Medicaid waiver program if someone qualifies for Medicaid, they may qualify for something like Community Care Service Program, which allows uh, to have in-home caregivers come and assist, or it could even- And, and is that free? It, you, it could be free, but it could have a cost share, depending on where you fall financially, because one, you do have to have Medicaid or be qualified eligible for Medicaid. Medicaid. Medicaid, not, not Medicare. No, yes. and I always have to specify that with people. It is a financial eligibility. And, but what that does, if you do qualify for that waiver program, they also, because the goal is to try to keep people in the home. Yes. People want to age in place. Absolutely. And so, but that also may mean an adult day program. So it may not be just sitting, you know, someone coming into the home. Sometimes it's about, especially with patients with dementia, it's helping them to socialize because that's so important for their brain. So an adult day program, having that paid for. So things of that nature. I did that. And once again, the theme keeps running with my parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when my father was still alive, I had both of my parents in adult day care. Yes. And my father was cooperative. <laughs> yes. And my mother was not. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So, so it's how do you cajole them to go when they don't want to go? 
So one of the things that happens is we, it for people who are suffering from dementia sometimes, it is confusion. You know, their brain is trying to work so much harder in terms of navigating their world. So to step outside of what my world is, what my house is, where I know where everything is, where I've lived there probably for a long time, so everything is, is there. And then you want me to go into this place that I don't know these people, I don't know if I want to do this, and I'm going to have to navigate all of that. So what sometimes I, one of the things, and this is where it's not a, hey, do you want to go to someplace? It's, hey, you know, we're going to go out for a little bit. We're going to go get some ice cream. Oh, I also want to stop by this place real quick. And let's go that way. Or when you're already out in the car, don't do it while you're in the house because you won't get them out into the car. That is so true. <laughs> that is so true. You sort of have to play a little game. You do. You do. And it's there's a there's a you're not lying. You're not being manipulative. It's just a matter of how do you help someone in a way you're telling the truth because you're getting them out but you're also helping them along the way it, because they're not able to absorb that information sometimes in a way and to where they know that it's beneficial for them because the disease may have impacted them where they don't have the insight and judgment anymore. And so you're the one who has to somewhat decide and take on that responsibility and that role of how do you help them? And again, it may work one day, they may not want to go the next day, but you keep trying in some ways. I, you mentioned briefly about um, some sort of sometimes financial advice, mm -hmm. and um, I learned so much. You all, I think, saved my life with my mother mm. because I did not realize that there were things and stop gaps I could put in place mm -hmm. to save her. For example, financially, she was doing things like um, taking lots of money out of the uh, bank mm -hmm. and not knowing where it was, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. type of thing. And um, I can't speak for every state, but you all taught me several things. What are some of the different ways that you give advice about how to protect your loved one when you feel like they're a little bit um, confused mm -hmm. in their finances. Oh, definitely. The first thing I tell anybody who comes and sees me is usually, if you can, speak to an elder law attorney. That's first and foremost, if you can. If you cannot, the thing is, is to get powers of attorney in place. Because <laughs> a power of attorney is going to allow you to make decisions and to help out the person who's not able to do it for themselves or who has a lapse of judgment or who may be getting scammed. And I would say this for people who don't even have dementia. You know, for older adults, this is something that you want to start putting in place. Also, um, put your name on accounts. Because if you can put your name on the account, if something happens, you have the ability, you have the ability to see at that point what's going on. Um, it's a matter of, I'll tell you, limits because some people allow I shouldn't say allow but it is allow someone to have access total access to their accounts but if they are cognitively impaired 
One of the things you might want to think about is having a small account or having a card, especially if that person uses a debit card, putting a limit on that account. So it gives them the freedom to continue to make some purchases that they want to purchase to feel independent and to feel like they're doing something. But also it allows them not to go overboard in terms of spending. Doing online bill payment. Making sure that you're seeing what's going in and out of bills because I've had people who have said, oh, well, she's always paying her bills on time. I know because nothing is cut off. And then I ask the question, do you know that if she's overpaying or not? Because I've had people write two and three checks and the gas company isn't going to say, oh, you overpaid they're us. They're not going to give it back. No, they're not. And so that's why I encourage people, be vigilant about uh, money because even phone calls scams coming over the phone being paying attention to the fact that somebody is trying to get somebody's money there are so many people out there unfortunately who um, fall fall to scams at this time uh, that is the best advice because I want to let you know I did all of the above <laughs> after I you know started going to your support group I did all of the above. Mm -hmm. Got a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. Got my name on accounts, mm -hmm. and um, did online banking, because mm -hmm. you know you start getting notices. People may be out there and wonder why they get phone calls that their bills are not paid, their mm -hmm. parents or loved ones' bills are not paid. Mm -hmm. It's not because you don't want to pay them. It's just right. because they don't realize that they haven't paid them. Right. Right. So if you do take all of the advice. From Miss Mullins, that will save you a lot. <laughs> that will save you a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned so much um, in the support group, but I just want to say that uh, one of the important things that helped me was to learn that I was not alone. Yes. I, I it was just a respite mm -hmm. for a while to sort of hear the stories that others that were going through. Mm -hmm. And to see that I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Do you find that a lot? No, I do. And I think it's understanding because sometimes it's such a whirlwind. And you, the feeling of being alone, the feeling of like, am I going crazy? Or, or will people understand how difficult this is? And, and also sometimes I think the fact that people think they have to do it all. And they're going based on just what they're thinking, whereas if you're talking with other people, you may be able to find a different solution to the way that you're going about it. You may find that it's okay that sometimes you're getting frustrated. It's just how you deal with the frustration. So how do I take a break? How do I learn how to take a break? How do I engage um, my support system uh, in ways that maybe I may not have engaged before until I heard through maybe a support group uh, of how someone else did it. Well, I'm fortunate to be in a wonderful city of Atlanta and have ready access to wonderful people like you. Mm -hmm. But how do you tell people, our listeners, how mm -hmm. to find a good clinical licensed social worker like yourself? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, hmm. Depending on where you are, and if we're dealing with dementia, I think the first place to start actually is the Alzheimer's Association. That's one of the best places to start because they have access, they're all over. Um, and so they have a database 
that you can talk to. They have counselors or they have someone to talk to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you can actually call them. Um, when we're talking about uh, if you're at an institution that has, that's a hospital, or usually there is, you know, oh, I, I'd like to say usually, but that's, that's not necessarily true. Um, they have social services, but it's finding is that person available to do some type of counseling like a clinical social worker. Otherwise, I would say maybe doing something through uh, sometimes uh, just going through your insurance company to find a clinical social worker to help you navigate, and it could be through counseling. So if you're what I'm talking about is more the counseling route now um, to help you kind of think through because you can find psychologists and I'm partial to social workers because of how we how we view things but um, I think any type of mental health clinician um, would be able to help a someone who is going through the process of trying how to navigate living with someone or caring for someone who has dementia. Well, Ms. Mullins, this has been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Our listeners have learned a lot, and it just reinforces how wonderful what you do um, helps those of us in need. Oh, well, I would like to thank you because I think people like you, people who are in... I don't want to say the fight, but in the trenches of caring for someone and for you having cared for two people living with dementia, it's, it's a challenging place. It's a challenging place to be, but you're reaching out, you've reached out, and now you're giving back, and that's an incredible thing. So thank you. Thank you, and thank you for joining us today.